episode 11 of the Noah Davis Watchcast. I'm your host, Noah Davis, and I'm talking like an NPR podcast because I want my intros to be different than my other podcast. Okay, <laughs> I, I can't keep that up forever. My, my voice is too loud to whisper like that. So let's just get right into it. Episode 11, Noah Davis Watchcast, where I talk to you about everything I watched. First up, I missed out on something last week. I watched Dawn of the Planet of the Apes or Dot Poda as my me and my one friend like to call it. Epic movie, great movie, CGI still looks impeccable, the Koba design looks amazing, it's one of the best epics, I will call it an epic, one of the best epics of cinema, and you should watch it if you haven't, well you probably need to watch Rise, but you need to watch Dot, Dot Poda because it's a fantastic movie, and it's the score feels very reminiscent of the original 5 series, <laughs> Pentology, Pentology, whatever the word for that is. I know the Aliens Blu-ray collection coined the term quadrilogy, so maybe Pentology, maybe there's another word for the five. Doesn't matter. Great movie. I'm just briefly talking about it because I should have talked about it last week. So, amazing movie. Matt Reeves, amazing. Next up, you know what? I was going to talk about one thing. I'm going to leave that for last. Next up, Justice League War World which is DC Animations or Warner Bros. Animations' newest DC Tomorrowverse line of movies. And see, no, actually, I think it's just movies. So, just movies. And it is meh. You know, just meh. It feels as though it gets lost in itself, if that makes sense. It has so many themes and ideas and stories and even kind of cool callbacks that don't add up to a complete picture. It replicates Old West things. It replicates Twilight Zone. It replicates The Man Who Has Everything, which is a classic Superman story that, you know, a lot of people know and like. And yet it doesn't land on any of those fronts. It tries to do those things. It attempts to but the attempts aren't that well thought out or aren't full enough to care about. If they had a whole movie of these separate things, it might have worked a little better. That way you could have development on some other fronts and actually care about the themes and the revolving action. Yet it, it just it, it doesn't because it confines those ideas into these little shorts. And while I like an animated anthology, and you know what? An animated anthology connecting to each other even sounds like a cool idea. It just doesn't land. It feels vapid and feels shallow, whether it be the 
I don't want to say uninspired art style. I would never hate on an art style unless it's that one art style with like the beady eyes and circles that adult animation comedies are. Don't even get me started on that one. Yeah, I can't help to think that a lot of the sequences feel flat. They look flat. And that's coupled with the actual direction, which isn't fantastic. Whether it be the simplistic action scenes or a character goes into thought, you know, he, he thinks for a second or she thinks for a second. But it just lingers far too long. And in something like animation, in my brain, I'm instantly thinking, oh, you just saved some frames of money, some time, what have you. And instead of saving it in a really clever way, you just had a still picture of someone thinking for an extra few seconds. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't feel as though it's a clever way to go about saving on animation. Every animation movie, or sorry production has to do some of that. They literally have to, or else animated projects would be billions of dollars and cost too much money. So I get that yet it felt on the nose, you know, it shouldn't feel as though you're saving money. If that makes sense, you should hide the fact that you saved on some frames on some artistry, what have you, some time, some processing, anything. Yet it does that more than once, and I don't know, it feels like a kid's cartoon in that nothing is deeper than the surface. There's nothing past the surface, and yet they'll have a little blood, and I think they had some cursing, so it's as though it's aiming for an adult audience, but if you couple that with the flat art style the generally bland direction, not artist direction, but actual animation direction. It's, I don't know. It just falls flat on its face. And this is coming hot off the news that DC is trying to adapt Watchmen next year into animation. That scares the shit out of me because one, I do think it might not be perfect, but the Snyder ultimate cut of Watchmen is about as good as it's probably going to get. And two, they're going to have to have more than one movie to make Watchmen into a actual adaptation, animated adaptation. They're going to have to have maybe even three movies because there's a lot of content in that one novel. And yet they announced it and didn't announce a part two or anything. They just announced Watchmen animated movie. That, that, I don't know. So Warworld is really just reflecting previous problems of this new Tomorrowverse line onto one singular project. And it doesn't help anything because the end of this movie is just an abrupt sort of cliffhanger that is leading into uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths or Infinite Crisis. One of those, it doesn't matter. So it's leading up to a sequel movie or a crossover movie for a Tomorrowverse or, you know, a, a, an animated universe that really doesn't have any legs to stand on yet. And yet it's already trying to do these big things with big ideas. And yet none of these movies have really landed that well. My personal favorite recent DC animated movie was Batman Ninja. And let me tell you, that's not a great movie. 
It's a fun ride, and it's really cool what they tried to do, yet it's still not amazing, you know? And that's not going to stop them because they're just in over their heads, I think. They're going to make these and move on to the next animated universe. With Gunn taking over and saying how he wants things connected, I wouldn't be surprised if DC Animation becomes more amalgamated with the new DC universe or whatever you want to call it. Because I think his, what, Creature Commandos is going to be an animated show that's going to be canon within the new DC universe. So I wouldn't be surprised if this Tomorrowverse gets cut short and starts getting projects for this new universe, which I would prefer, honestly. I'm already preferring that because I don't like any of these Tomorrowverse movies. I thought the Deathstroke Knights and Dragons was neat. I really loved the artistic design, but then when they sort of just copied that design and made it worse, they accentuated less of the charm and more of the, the rigidity, if that makes sense. There's a actual physicality or an anatomy that's supposed to make sense, even though it's a 2D animated show. You know what I'm saying. They, they tried to realize it in a, an off way. It's as though they, they neutered that style in favor of the Tomorrowverse style, and it doesn't come off well at all. It stops me from enjoying these things as much as I could, you know? I, I did like Batman The Long Halloween and that Green Lantern First Flight movie, and I even thought Legion of Superheroes was okay. But the absolute worst part of all three of those movies was the animation and was the artistic direction. It doesn't feel alive, if that makes sense. And I'm sorry for all the animators that I'm just absolutely pooping on. I know it's probably not your fault. Who knows what, whose fault it is? It doesn't matter. I'm not singling out any single person. So I appreciate all the work done for animation that's not just 3D garbage. But... Back to my point, the style simply feels off. It doesn't feel realized enough to care about it. So when they're asking me to care about this big war world story that's taking so many things from other things and fusing it into this one hour and 20 minutes project, it doesn't do anything for me. I love Mongol and war world. Absolutely love that storyline and that relationship with Superman and Green Lantern, what have you. I've, I absolutely love that. Yet this movie didn't do it at all. Like, it didn't do that for me at all. It didn't feel as though that was Mongol and War World. It felt like it was trying to ham-fist other things into those stories, which kind of sucks. I don't know. It really sucks to me because I kind of like their side project, their DC showcase. I really like those shorts because they're, even if they're bad, guess what? 10 minutes, you're done. You're in and out, boom, gone. And I really like the Commandy. I love that one where it had the art style with the dotted halftones and all that. Absolutely love that. That was the, if they all could be that, that's all it needs. You know, they just need a proper direction and an homage, an actual visual homage to the things it's based off of. 
like I said with the Long Halloween. I love the art in the comic Long Halloween, so it's just super dumb <laughs> when you watch the movie and it's nothing like that. Or Gotham by Gaslight, the doom that came to Gotham. Gotham by Gaslight, the art by Mike Mignola, 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 how do you say his last name? It doesn't matter. His art is so freaking good, it hurts my eyes because it just perplexes me that a human brain can create that. And then you watch Batman the Doom that came to Gotham, which might be the best recent animated movie, and it's nothing like that. The animation style is nothing like that. And it, I, I don't know, man. It's such a hard thing to balance budget with real, inspired, not cookie-cutter art style and direction. And that's I guess that's all I'll say about that, because I'm still talking about Justice League War World. Next up, 1917. Watched it for the first time. Great movie. Technically impressive. I love how well it flows. It never feels as though it's stopping. The lulls are needed and necessary, and they know when to happen and when not to happen. It just goes. And I love that in a movie. When a movie says, hey, go. And that's it. There's no other gear. And you get to the end. The cinematography, everything. The camera work is astounding. Technically, is a absolute masterpiece. That being said, I love, love, love the movie. You know, I, I think I could watch that once every now and then, but I don't think I'll see myself re-watching this anytime soon. I think I got my fill from the movie. I honestly can't say anything bad about it. The only little note that I had, other than the awesome color palette and how they accentuated white and the blues, I, there's nothing I can really add other than saying it's funny that I just recently watched the World War I Australian movie with Mel Gibson called Gallipoli, maybe in March or something like that, and the climax boils down to the exact same thing. So it's really funny to me that I would happen to watch Gallipoli of all random movies this year and then never having seen 1917 until just now. It's crazy to me that their climax is literally the same thing. But honestly, I love Gallipoli's climax a lot more. Gallipoli has some problems, but for me, I think I'd actually rather watch that movie. I'm not 1917 is not bad in any way, shape or form. I want to get that straight. But as a viewing experience, it's so in and out, such as the case with Deadpool 1, you're in and out that there's almost no time to appreciate it, which I know is crazy. It, it pretty much goes against a lot of what I say. But the point still stands. It's one and done. You know, the trip is so quick and goes so fast that there's no room to take it in. And... Sometimes that is kind of hard on a rewatch because if you don't have any room to take it in, so you think you've got it all the first time, it provides a, not a huge reason to rewatch. You know, there doesn't feel as though there are things I missed at all, at all. I don't feel that way whatsoever. So, you know, <laughs> almost a perfect movie, but I think I still really like Gallipoli. Just comparing the two, not saying one is actually better than the other. Because that's just, that'd be dumb. 
you know, reviewing movies is dumb to do that. Like, oh, this is my top 10 movies of all time, and that never changes, and here's my top 10. I hate doing that because my top 10 changes daily, weekly, yearly, over the decade. It doesn't matter. I would hate to concretely say that one movie is better than another when it's, you know, comparisons like that, when that's just a bad movie and a good movie. Okay. You know, I, I know where I'm going to say one is better than the other, but when it's two great movies, it's kind of hard because there are aspects of certain movies that you or I will like more than you and me. And so, yeah, 1917, amazing movie. Sam Mendes, he's a great director, and he's got a great team. So that's really all I'm going to say because I don't want a 20-minute analysis of a movie. I don't want an analysis of a thing that takes longer to watch than it takes to consume the thing. <laughs> you know, that's just one of my, th- one of my I don't know, pet peeve. I, I don't know. But great movie. Definitely watch it if you haven't. And now I get the hype. Next up, Secret Invasion finale. That was, huh, that was, that was something. You know how last week I said, does violence fix things? No, but it does fix a boring episode. Violence didn't fix this boring episode. It had, I don't know, the whole plot of, so spoilers, heavy spoilers here, heavy spoilers, Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, War Machine, Dusty Rhodes, James Rhodes. Sorry, Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> the I've been watching too much Dark Side of the Ring. Okay, so Rhodes or Rhodey, whatever you want to call him, he's a scroll, right? And Nick Cage, Nick Cage. God damn it, I am not on my A game today. Nick Fury, Jesus, Nick Cage is Nick Fury would be funny. Nick Fury has to prove that he's a scroll, and yet Olivia Coleman is helping him but Olivia Coleman just shot a guy in the knee to prove that someone was a scroll. So instead of shooting Don Cheadle in the knee, they decide to draw it out for this five or 10 minute scene that made zero sense and harkens back to, I think it was episode four with that terrible sequence that I complained about last week. It simply doesn't make sense in a, in a real world. It might make sense to the writers, it might make sense on the script, but it doesn't make sense to the audience. I'll say the finale did solidify my thought that it's better than Falcon Winter Soldier, yet it's not much better. It's... (sighs) Boring is such a weird term, because a good movie can be a little boring, you know? And a bad movie can also be really boring. (laughs) So it's odd when I talk about a show like this and say, man, I was bored. But at the same time, there really isn't anything going. There's nothing thrilling about the spy thriller. The only thrilling apart, thrilling apart, the only thrilling part is when they're just shooting people. And that, that tells you a lot about the script and the plot when murder is far more interesting than anything anyone's talking about. And they kind of gave me the super scroll, but not really. And I don't even really care about the other twist. It doesn't matter. The only thing that I really liked about this episode was the two minute sequence that Sam Jackson is talking to the president, Dermot Mulroney. And it literally shows 
anti-super or anti-alien terrorism going on. And that was the greatest scene in this whole show for the whole two minutes it was. You know, it just didn't do anything. There was some forced, I will say forced, some forced Nick Fury character development because it came out of nowhere, out of nowhere. And I'll take that, but it didn't help the show any. You know, I won't go to that show and say, oh, I like this because it added to Fury's character. I will never say that. I sort of like it because it had some spy thriller elements and it had some okay action scenes but I do not like it because of Fury's added character development. Yes, it did provide a little more nuance. I'll give it that. It provided a little more nuance in Fury's goals and his disposition. Doesn't matter. Yet it, it all felt just forced. It felt forced. It didn't feel fluid. It didn't feel natural. It just came on to you like a fucking tsunami out of nowhere of just random history that has never been acknowledged in any way, shape or form. It's not even been winked at, you know, if this was all, you know, Oh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You saw all this shit. I think they would have been awesome, but none of that has occurred or had occurred when the show came out. So I, I don't know what the show tried to do other than set up a pretty cool idea for future Marvel things. So big spoilers, the president pretty much says America's going to kill every single alien. And my thought process was, oh, who's that going to affect? Okay, it's going to affect Thor? No, because he's not really, you know, on Earth all the time anymore. It's going to affect the Guardian. No, the Guardians aren't really on Earth all the time. It's not going to affect Shang-Chi. It's not going to affect any of the Black Panther people. It's not going to affect any of the Armor Wars people. It's not going to affect WandaVision people. Ooh. <laughs> There's this really cool implication of, oh, wow, just straight up people murdering aliens because they're aliens. That sounds like it could create some intense back and forth between the government and superheroes. And then I'm thinking, wait. Are there even that many aliens on Earth at this current canon canonical timeline in the MCU? Does this even matter? You know, are they hunting anyone but the scrolls? I don't I I don't I don't know. I don't think so. So while that is a really cool setup, it immediately is followed up by my thought of, oh, there's nothing they can really do with that. So, yeah, that's how the finale made me feel by the end of it. Just going, huh? <laughs> because there's not much else to say. You've heard me talk about this show every week. And this finale is not really that different than episode three, where there's something in there. I don't know if I love it. It's not the worst. It's not as bad as the Marvel Disney haters are making it out to be. But it ain't great. And I will reiterate this. The Marvel and Disney haters are fucking hilarious. These people sat through Thor 1, Thor 2, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, and thought this sh that shit was like pinnacle of cinema. <laughs> and now they're comparing new stuff 
to the best of the best instead of comparing it to the four movies that I already talked about? Or how about the Inhumans? Was the MCU on top of the world with the Inhumans? Like, where, where are we stopping the comparisons? Are we only comparing these new shows to the best of the best original MCU? Or are we comparing it to the MCU? Because... I, you know, I don't love a lot of the MCU. I really don't. I'm just fulfilling my inner childhood dream of seeing these heroes live action. I'm just here because it's a sunken cost fallacy at this point. But I'm not going to dick ride on either side, whether it's, oh, MCU's way better than people are making it out to be, or MCU's way worse than people are making it out to be. I think it's just MCU. You know, there are ebbs and flows. It'll be, there'll be high points. There'll be low points. The haters and even the lovers of the current MCU are just being so myopic about things. They're thinking, oh, this year and next year is going to be so bad for Disney. Guess what? Disney isn't thinking about this year and next year. They already have the plans for this year and next year years ago. They're thinking about 2033 and what's coming out in 2033. They don't give a fuck if a few Marvel movies aren't fantastically received or aren't doing the buku books like they remember, they are going to go for it again later. So, I don't know. The whole situation is weird. You got this anti-Marvel Disney train that's making every single Marvel thing out to be like it's the worst movie ever, as if Incredible Hulk and Thor 2 didn't exist. And then you have the haters that are complaining about She-Hulk, even though it might be the singular, most accurate character interpretation in the MCU, other than... Maybe Captain America. That might be it. Captain America and She-Hulk are probably <laughs> the top two the most well-adapted characters. Uh, Peter Parker, but is that even MCU? Do we even count that? I don't know. It's just odd to me, this whole thing. The whole sidelines of Marvel and Disney has just become exhausting. Like, online message boards are just exhausting now. It's almost impossible to have any conversation about Disney or Marvel in any productive way because you might have one guy or person who says, Oh yeah. And actually talks to you and analyzes things and discusses, but then you'll have 20 people like, Oh, MCU sucks now, bruh. It's just fucking annoying. <laughs> it's asinine. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's a weird place. And I'm going to watch every Marvel thing this year, next year, the next year until they make, the singular most biggest worst movie of all times. I am going to stick to it because why not? You know, I, if I didn't stick to it, I wouldn't have seen Loki, which was my, probably my favorite show of 2021. I think that was 2021. Probably my favorite season of TV in 2021. If I didn't stick with Marvel. So there are positives. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Bunch of man babies talking about, kids movies and kids shows and shows that are or movies that are meant for merchandising I, whatever on to my last thing jesus my other podcast i thought to myself hey i didn't game this week so it's gonna be a short episode i apparently made up for that by watching things because i watched dark side of the ring but i'm not even gonna talk about it. bam bam bigelow good episode great heartfelt learned a lot of things cool move on just because it's getting that long. My last thing, last movie I watched, Transformers Rise of the Beast. Wow, what a movie. 
What a movie. The idea that this movie got somehow more positive reviews than the Bayverse movies is really confusing because it literally felt like Michael Bay directing a Transformers movie, which I've seen five times. <laughs> I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. And it's exactly this. Just because you fucking inject straight into the vein eight classic hip-hop songs that people like doesn't make your movie better. I'm going to spoil things for future directors, writers, producers. Just because you have pop culture songs in your movie does not make it better. And if anything, it makes it age worse. Because instead of having a memorable score that takes elements of classic hip-hop, they just have random classic hip-hop as the cases with uh, they had a Biggie song playing and yet they said, was this Wu-Tang or not to the song, but they referenced Wu-Tang claim in the movie while playing a Biggie song. But at the beginning of the movie, they played a Wu-Tang song. I think it was cream. So why don't you play the Wu-Tang song when the fucking movie itself (laughs) says Wu-Tang? So you have these pop culture songs and you can't even do it. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's so weird to me. It's so odd. It, it pulled the Age of Extinction thing where the titular robots aren't in the movie for half the movie or more than half the movie. It doesn't... The Rise of the Beast, there are no rising of beasts. <laughs> there is an hour and a half or an hour of Autobots doing Autobot bullshit and then meeting the beasts, but there's not a rise of the beast. It doesn't make that subtitle make sense at all. I I don't even know why it's called rise of the beast other than marketing, because the amount of time you see Optimus primal who, Ooh, okay. So <laughs> let me preface a little bit. I should have prefaced before I loved beast wars growing up. So when there's so much room for development on all of these characters, on all of the Maximals and the Predacons and the Terracons. There is so much material here, and yet it devolves into Optimus Prime doing Optimus Prime shit with a dumb guy. I bet you've never seen that movie before. <laughs> you know? it. It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling that this is just Transformers... Just, again, nothing different. At least Bumblebee was slightly different, just very slightly. So I sort of, sort of think that's better. But it it did nothing. It had jokes that didn't land, sequences that weren't that cool, plot points that didn't really make sense, and an overinflated budget. Does that remind you of any other movie about transforming robots? No? Okay, because it reminds me of Transformers 1 through 5, where maybe the first one is maybe the only good one, and even then it's not like a great movie. It's just watchable. So how audiences, well, audiences have always sort of liked Bayverse, but how critics were somehow duped into this, I don't know. I don't really care because it makes zero sense to me. This is just Transformers 1 through 5, in a 90s gift wrapping. There's nothing different at its core. Absolutely nothing different other than the fact that this middling movie that went on a little too long and the CG that already shows its age 
in three months of release ended with one of the worst and dumbest endings I've ever seen in my life. Thank you very much. Uh, don't even know another. <laughs> I was going to say thank you very much. Another movie with a worst ending, but I can't think of a movie with the worst ending because this movie ends or so you thought. No, it literally ends plots over. And then the main guy is going for this job interview. It spoilers so hard spoilers that they don't even make sense. You would have never guessed this in your life. It ends with the main guy who is the actor from into the Heights, the main guy going to a job interview and he meets Doug from house of cards. And it turns out Doug is actually Duke from GI Joe and he wants to recruit the main guy for GI Joe. I had to give you a pause so that you let that sink in for a second. Yeah. The Transformers 6, I guess technically since Bumblebee's not really part of the series, the Transformers prequel that's trying to fudge both Bumblebee and the Bayverse into one plotline, which doesn't make any sense. Don't even try. I don't know why you're trying, but they tried. They really are trying to fuse those timelines, even though they literally don't add up together is trying to be a G.I. Joe crossover movie? Are you telling me Transformers 7 or Transformers early 2000s? Because if you're going to have this character, you'd think it's going to be the same actor. So it'd be late 90s. So a sequel to this movie, theoretically, Transformers 8, Rise of the Beast 2, G.I. Joe 3, is this going to be tied in with the cinematic G.I. Joe because it used a very similar emblem, if not the same emblem, as the cinematic G.I. Joe? So what's going on? You know, it doesn't make any sense to me to try and force all these cinematic universes for no goddamn reason. What's next, you know? This is literally fusing one series with another series. And yes, that has happened in the comics. And I think even an animation did it once or twice yet. It doesn't make any more sense to do it. Why not have an actual beast Wars movie? That's my beginning question. And then why not just have a transformers movie instead of shoving the beast wars into it? And then why try shoving the GI Joes into a Transformers movie instead of just making a transformers movie? I don't know. And it's as though they don't have hot piles of garbage called G.I. Joe the movies. Snake Eyes was cool, yet so forgettable it hurt. I couldn't even tell you what happened in that movie, and I watched it all. Could not tell you a single plot point in that movie. Couldn't at all. I couldn't tell you a single plot point in G.I. Joe 2 other than the White House getting the Cobra flags, because that was really dope. And that's it. I can tell you some about G.I. Joe 1, not much. I could tell you that there were really shitty CGI polar bears. And I thought that when I saw the movie in theaters, it doesn't matter. Transformers rise of the beast. It feels like a punch in the face, you know, figurative punch in the face to anyone who likes movies, to anyone who likes transformers, to anyone who likes GI Joe. It doesn't matter. Everybody. It feels like a punch to the face. Like, are they going to get the snake eyes guy or is so if it's set in the nineties, and they're trying to tie it to existing canon. I don't think the Snake Eyes origin movie happened in the 90s. So, theoretically, if we had a sequel with this guy, 
from Transformers Rise of the Beasts, who, you know, was the reason that these things would fuse, or these series would fuse, if we had a sequel with him in it, we wouldn't have Snake Eyes? You're telling me you're going to have a G.I. Joe team without Snake Eyes? And then if Snake Eyes is in it, does that mean the Snake Eyes movie is not canon in the literal new established canon that you just made for Snake Eyes a few years ago? I'm not even arguing about the movie anymore. I'm arguing about everything a part of the movie. You know, it, I, I, I can't even put into words. I can't even put into words. This is just ranting by this point. It's going to be the longest episode ever because it's been nothing but ranting. I know I usually rant, but goddamn, Hasbro has really topped it. I, I don't even know what else to say. It's a bad movie with a shitty, maybe the shittiest ending I've ever seen. I didn't like the climax. It didn't do justice to any of the Transformers, whether that be the Maximals or the Autobots. It doesn't matter. Didn't do justice to any of those. And it had one singular funny joke. One singular funny joke. And that was when an Autobot said to the main guy, you were inside me. Yeah, that's the singular joke that was funnier than any other joke in this movie. So, <laughs> watch this movie? I don't even know. Don't watch this movie. I mean, literally don't watch this movie unless you really want to see what I just described. That is all. I thank you for staying with me this far. Definitely the longest episode. I don't know if I'll ever have an episode this long again because I keep seeing the timer go up. It doesn't matter. I'll see you next week on episode 12. Yeah, I think it's episode 12 next week. Yes, this is episode 11 or <laughs> this was episode 11. Jesus Christ, it's been so long. I forgot. I'll see you next week on episode 12. I'm Noah Davis. This is the Noah Davis Watchcast and I'm out of here. Yeah.